Greyhound to trap one. Greyhound to trap one. How do you read me? Over. Welcome to Trap One. My name is Mark McManus. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Ruth Long, Kate Coleman and Kate Lee Smith, uh, writers of an exciting new Doctor Who spin-off project. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, great to be here. Um, so, if uh, you tell us a little bit about the, the Untold Adventures and how you came up with the idea. Ever since sort of Hellbent aired and we were given this really kind of a triumphant, open-ended ending for Clara. You know, naturally, you just jump to this kind of speculation, like what what happened after that? Because you, literally, you don't know. And um, obviously, you have Face the Raven, which still happened, but there's this gap, and you don't know how long it was. You don't know what she got up to, and I, I find that so exciting as a premise. And you know. Th- the actual that there's been nothing done like officially with it and I've always kind of seen it as Stephen Moffat saying okay just let your imaginations go wild with this you know just see what stories you can come up with for this character and I you know I really wanted to make that a reality really yeah it's um I think he's he's done that quite a bit hasn't he with um with his era where he, he's kind of left left things open and, and Bill's in a similar situation, I guess, where she's got the ability yeah, definitely. To, to, to roam through time and space. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess you were watching um, Twice Upon a Time kind of quite keenly because there was rumours that Clara was going to have a cameo um, as to whether that revealed anything about her adventures after Hellbent. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of glad that they, they left it quite vague because, you know, you don't know when the whole memory extraction thing happened for her. So it gives us plenty of room to do what we like, really. Um, and and I think it might have had, you know, been a bit too much to cover had it been the actual Clara that had shown up rather than just this kind of testimony avatar. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I really liked how they did that. And they did the best they could with the production constraints they had. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Apparently it was the final thing shot. I saw an interview recently of the whole 12th Doctor era. Well, everything of Stephen Moffat's era, actually, is the last scene he ever shot. Yeah. So it was a nice, um, I guess a nice bookend to it, wasn't it? Because she was such such an important part of, especially the latter half of his era. Yeah, I suppose she was kind of like, there's something quite nice about the fact that she was there for kind of both the big eras, for Stephen, you know, both of his doctors. So, yeah, there's, there's something quite nice about that, really. There's something very exciting about being able to explore her in her own right as well, as a character not playing against the doctor, um, but able to go off on, under her own steam and have her own adventures and really become the author of her own destiny. That's something that really um, excites me as a writer to be part of that. Does it yeah, absolutely. It's kind of a thing that Stephen Moffat does a lot with his characters. It's like you get the sense that so many of the people we see are off having adventures of their own. So River Song's always having adventures without the Doctor. Madame Vassar and Jenny. And there's been all these calls for spin-offs. And Big Finish has done some stuff with River. But Clara gets that envy too of she's now off having her own adventures without the Doctor. And, yeah, it's just an open book. And we can't help but try and write some of that. 
Absolutely, and completely wide open because she's got her own TARDIS, so it means nothing is out of bounds for her, does it? She can go literally anywhere, any when. Um, there's a whole yeah. huge universe to explore. You can't even die. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I, I guess, um, like, we've, we've talked about this as a team before, but one of the really interesting things about this idea is that, you know, you have it's not a Time Lord in a TARDIS like the Doctor, you know, Clara has a very different background. She has a very different outlook. I mean, a similar outlook, but it's also very distinctly hers. And um, I think there's something really fascinating about almost asking the question, what if the companion became the doctor and went out there doing what he does? And um, there's something so fascinating because you really, you know, there's a very different approach that you can take and you can take a different angle because she has a different relationship with, say, Gallifrey, a very different relationship with Earth and she has a past on Earth. So it's not the same as, you know, the Doctor being this alien coming to Earth and, you know, meeting new people and having new companions. And also the very specific circumstances she's in, you know, she's not necessarily free to do whatever she likes because she is a fugitive, essentially. She's running away from the Time Lords and uh, she does have a commitment to go back to Gallifrey at some point. So there's like all these little plot threads that are already in place that you can take advantage of. Um, yeah, and that's really exciting. Yeah, I guess there's some nice parallels with particularly very early Doctor Who there, um, as in being on the run uh, and having that classic TARDIS as well, having the um, the beautiful original interior. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's something you can have a lot of fun with as well, having the... Um, the American diner is even more, well, it's larger and more incongruous even than the police box, isn't it? We did oh, yeah. have some conversations about that, but how does she park this thing? Because you can't just yeah. pop it anywhere like you can a police box. Yeah. So <laughs> you need to find a really big space before she yeah. sets down. I'm sure it gets wedged in like streets and stuff when she tries to park it. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose I said the tide is And of course, long. do people come in and try and order burgers? That could be quite happening. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think just going back to what you said now, I think some of the, uh, was something that Stephen Moffat did with Clara, wasn't it, was putting her in the position of being the Doctor a couple of times. Um, particularly yeah, she was, she was definitely a proto-female Doctor, sort of playing that role a lot, you know, getting her um, name and eyes first in the credits, yeah. all that sort of stuff. So, but yeah, despite that, she's definitely still, well, mostly human. Um, and so there is, she's a very different character than the Doctor as much as she'd um, like to be like the Doctor. I think she's, sort of, especially in Series 9, coming to understand that uh, she's not the Doctor and that maybe that's not who she's going to be and the powerful mythic figure she's going to turn up. So, yeah, part of the series we're exploring what being this mythic figure, this Doctor figure means for Clara specifically. Yeah, because, um, you know, again, coming back to that whole difference with the two characters, the Doctor, you know, if you look at the unearthly child, he starts off as this mysterious uh, alien figure. But with this particular scenario, you know, you've got 
you've got someone trying to who's from our world who has a very normal ordinary you know despite the whole impossible girl up essentially Clara is just a regular person who came from a very ordinary background but she has these you know these great aspirations and in meeting the doctor that opens her world and she you know she wants to step into that role and now she has and um there's a different angle you can take with that because you're seeing the audience surrogate essentially the person from a very human background trying to live in that sort of lifestyle and the challenges that come with that and I think that's a really unique um, opportunity we have really because you can you can sort of say oh what happens if you know she she goes back to earth and doesn't really fit in there anymore what if people think she's the alien this time and um yeah it's really really interesting and how will other people react to her as well because she's going to appear subtly different isn't she with the fact that she's mm -hmm. perhaps not breathing and um, what what impact will that have on the people who meet her it's going to be um slightly odd isn't it mm -hmm. <clears throat> and the other thing that makes clara unique is that there are multiple different versions of her across <laughs> space and time as well um, obviously I don't want to reveal any spoilers, but is that something that might be explored in the future in the Untold Adventures? Well, I think it's definitely something we're all excited about and it's come up many times um, in discussions. But yeah, I don't think we can give away any specific spoilers yet, but it's definitely a plot thread a lot of us are very interested in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, thing, the thing is, like, after series seven and it was resolved fair enough but it was kind of like it just pushed under the rug a bit like oh we're not really going to mention it anymore i mean they, they've done stuff with it in like the comics um there's one particularly really good comic where she actually runs into one of her echoes with the 12th doctor and there's that whole kind of moral dilemma of this echo realizing that she's actually just a duplicate of another person um but you know, the arc of that is them still realising that, that they're just as valid, they're a person in their own right, um, even though Clara created them. So, um, there's, yeah, there's just a ton you can do with that as well. Um, but we're not going to give anything away as to what we might do or where we might do it. <laughs> no, of course. In the, pro in the project, there's multiple stories, isn't there? Um, we've got a setup where we're actually going to be telling how many stories, Ruth, have we got individually planned? Uh, we've got 13 in total. Um, so it's kind of supposed to structurally resemble a televised Doctor Who series, really. Yeah, so we've got yeah the season opener, the season finale, sort of a, a bit of an arc carrying through, but still off having different adventures, um, every different story. So, yeah, it is going to resemble that, that Doctor Who structure we've come to know. To release them weekly, is that the plan? I, um, yeah, once that. a week. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. And do, do you know when that's going to start? Do you have um, a release date yet? Um, not firmly, but we're looking at early 2019 currently, sort of in the gap between series 11 and 12. So we don't want to clash with actual Doctor Who. Yeah. You know, be there when people are really missing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and also, uh, you know, it's, it's quite... Um, 
we're really keen that this is we make this series as good as it can be. So we're we're taking the time to properly plan things through, make sure that the drafts are you know as good as they can be. Um, and we've got a lot of you know in the meantime we've got a lot of uh, exciting sort of teasers and little things like that to come that should help you know bridge the weight a bit. Excellent. I saw the um, the sort of teaser trailer that's on the on the website. <laughs> Yeah, that was Ruth's wonderful work there. Uh-huh. It's beautifully made. Yeah, I was going to say, how did that come about? Is that, uh, is this... um, well, I, I kind of, even though the series is obviously in prose form um, and we, ca- we can't hire Jenna Coleman, unfortunately, to film <laughs> something. Um, yeah, I, I, I still wanted to have this sort of representation to kind of capture maybe some of the sort of, the tone or the um, sort of visuals. Um, I, I, I don't want to give too much away, but every shot used in that trailer was very intentional. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it wasn't just a random smushing together of clips. Like, I, I wanted to sort of tell a little story with that trailer, just kind of hinting at what we're going for. Um, yeah, but I won't say any more than that. <laughs> Yeah, and like we said, yeah, the, the project's going to be in prose form, but we're really hoping to have some some art pieces accompanying each episode, sort of, you know, a cover illustration. Um, and there are so many talented artists who love drawing Clara that I don't think there'll be a shortage of people wanting to help out. So I'm really excited for, you know, when we can get that starting to happen too. Brilliant. And, and what sort of format is that? Is that going to come out on the internet or is it download? Um, we're still looking into that really at the moment um i think we're i'm leaning towards like an ebook style thing but you know there's a lot of uh different avenues we could pursue with it we might host it directly on the website or um or possibly do print down the line but again we're still sort of figuring out what format will work best really so obviously, at the end of Heaven Sent, um, Clara is, is travelling with um, a shielder or me. Uh, can you say she's going to be sort of a full-time character in it, or a regular, semi-regular character? Certainly, in the story I'm writing, me is going to act as the companion role, um, as, as as the companion would in the show. So I think in that there's got 13 individual stories, and I, I think a lot of them do feature me. Not yeah. all exclusively, I think. We do have me having her own character arc over the series, so she'll get character development the same as Clara's getting. So Clara's obviously still the main character, but, yeah, we've got me, we've got, you know, the original characters who come up in the stories um, that are all going to get their own little character arcs and character development. So that's a really exciting part of it too. Is and, of course, one of the exciting bits for me would be creating a new monster creating a villain for my particular story which then um, was wonderful to start thinking about that yeah as well it was um um me is another kind of really unique interesting character um i like the twist with her about being incredibly long-lived but not having the um the kind of human brain not being able to remember more than kind of one lifetime it's a tragic well, yes. self, really isn't it yeah. yeah, so she's obviously got such a different perspective on time travel and 
life and the universe to what Clara does. Because even though Mee's lived all this time and probably has still has some records of it, even if she doesn't have the memories, she's never had the freedom of time travel. She's just gone straight through yeah, from yeah. Viking time till the very end of the universe or the ruins of Gallifrey, wherever it was she ended up. Uh, so she's got this very different perspective on, on the universe and on immortality and on, you know, her place in the universe. And then we, so we've been able to find some interesting things playing her and Clara off each other a bit. Yeah, uh, it is a very interesting sort of, they, they do have very different outlooks, both characters. I mean, they're, they're also mirrors of each other in, in a weird way. Um, in that they're both kind of, both of them really were seconds from death when they were given this opportunity to have this TARDIS. Um, in Clara's case, obviously being extracted, and uh, with me, it's sort of, she was just, a, she was on the very last, you know, few minutes of the universe, and then she gets this opportunity to travel with Clara. And um, and as Caitlin was saying, like, it's, it's very different to her having to, you know, trudge the slow path. It's suddenly being in the fast lane, essentially. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's so much you can do with her character, um, because you know you you have quite a bit of freedom. Although her character does sort of carry the same traits throughout each time we see her. Um, in this case, we really, you know, we don't know what she's done in all of those years, and. Um, she probably doesn't know either. And um, there's something quite interesting about taking her character and sort of saying, where do you go next after living to the end of everything? You know, what do you do next? Um, so, yeah, there's, there's going to be a really interesting arc to take with her as well. She had all those volumes of, of diaries, didn't she, that we saw in um, The Woman Who Lived? But I guess she doesn't have with her by the time she travels. So I guess a lot of her past is is potentially mysterious to her as well. She could bump into people who know her really well, but she has no clue who they are, couldn't she? Mm. Oh, definitely. And, and it's interesting. It seems I seem to remember from the girl who lived that, uh, and the woman who died that she could, seems to be able to pick up skills and hold on to those skills whereas she won't hold on to specific memories. Was there, there was some implication that she'd learned how to fight, wasn't there, in, in one episode? So she can remember the skills and the things that she's learned. But yeah, the kind of muscle memory is different to the, uh, the actual memories, yeah. Yeah. Um, I what you could learn to do in the course of the lifetime of the universe. You could become skilled mm -hmm. in a field of things. The, uh, I, I highly recommend people who are interested in the character to read the, the book The Legends of Ashilda because it, it really gets into those sorts of things for her character because there's different stories set throughout her early life up until about the woman who lived. And um, they do touch on that, like how she's, she's incredible at fighting even if she can't remember necessarily learning how to do it because she's had to live this very rough, lifestyle you know traveling encountering various threats both human and alien um and uh she, she's a real kind of survivor character um and uh, that, that also makes her a bit more morally gray than say clara is or the doctor is um and that's another interesting thing to explore 
I guess it's like the thing in Highlander a little bit as well. If um, you know, people will notice that she doesn't age, so she'll have needed to keep moving and and create new identities over the kind of the centuries that she's lived. Uh, to you know, to stop uh, stop arousing suspicion, basically. Yeah, there's a there's a great quote actually. Um, I'm probably going to butcher this because I can't really remember exactly how it went, but it was something like they turn confused to curious to suspicious to murderous. That's that's how things go for her. If she stays in one place for too long, eventually people think she's some sort of witch or or whatever. And um, yeah, it's a very difficult lifestyle for her, and she's constantly having to reinvent herself and choose a new purpose and a new identity for herself. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it, it sort of feeds into our whole ethos with her name and that ultimately she is so permanent that she only has herself. And, again, that, that ties really well into what we're doing because we're like, now she has a companion, she has someone with her. Um, so how will that affect her character and her growth? So um, Kate um, has, has joined me on the podcast previously, um, but for Ruth and Caitlin, I'm always interested when we get new people on sort of um, how you got into Doctor Who in the first place, if you can remember the, like, the first story that you saw or kind of anything like that. Well, I the very first story I saw was Rose back when it first came out and my dad sat us down and made us watch Doctor Who. But I think it being on Saturday evening, there were a couple of evenings that we weren't home and then we just missed a couple and never got back into it. And then it was, would have been 2010, I was really into Merlin at the time and going through and watching everything that Colin Morgan had been in and so watched Midnight, which is a fantastic standalone episode to watch and you know, the Doctor's fantastic. It's, what, it's still one of my absolute favourite episodes of Doctor Who. And so with that, I was just hooked and went back and watched pretty out of order, a lot of Tenant and Nine, and then watched it again in order. And then I was caught up, I think, at the start of Series 6. So, yeah, that's sort of it was a bit, bit muddled at the start, but pretty much from the first one I watched as an adult, I was hooked. I started watching the show... Uh, around when Series 2 was airing, and I, I was still quite young then, um, and I, I followed it throughout the uh, the Tenant era, um, and then I sort of, I was I was more of a casual fan, you know, like, as most kids that age were, I was that sort of, um, you know, enjoyed following it, but around that time I was sort of a teenager, and um, I sort of just didn't really, uh, it's not that I didn't want to, continue with Matt Smith and Stephen Moffat but it was kind of like oh this is a good point to jump off maybe um so I didn't really watch uh, much of the Matt Smith era when it aired until uh 2013 which is when I watched just kind of on a whim because I was curious I watched Asylum of the Daleks and um I was so into it I loved Matt's Doctor I loved the ponds and I especially loved this random character who just appeared called Oswin Oswald and I was so like I, I thought oh she'd be such a good companion because I had no idea that she was actually going to be the companion so I was really gutted when she died um and then you know I did a bit of googling found out she was the companion and I was like well I've got to watch this um but yeah I, and um I I 
that's how it started really for me <laughs> brilliant that, that makes me feel really old but uh, it's uh, <laughs> I, said, I, I, love hearing that. <laughs> I was just thinking that too Mark yeah. <laughs> <laughs> back, back in 1979 when I first started watching the show as a, as a small child it was um, something that the whole family did on Saturdays wasn't it but um of course, it's, um, it's a, changed its slot over the years, but never its appeal. That's it. Um, so, no, um, Kate, you're a fan of, uh, of Ace, who was the, the Seventh Doctor's companion. Um, oh, I, I was, yeah. I was a real fan of Ace, and I, I even went so far as getting a bomber jacket from um, a charity shop and then plastering it with all the, the um, badges I could find and then walking around. In my head, of course, I, I was Ace, um, <laughs> which, was, which was fantastic, but a tiny bit geeky. <laughs> one of the things oh, I thought right. was interesting um, I read it a while ago was if the original run of Doctor Who had continued into a 27th season uh, one of the things they were strongly considering doing was having the Doctor enrol Ace in the Time Lord Academy to kind of shake things up and stop it being kind of all stuffy and everything like that mm. um, oh, it, that would have been fantastic it would have been, it kind of makes me think that um, you know Ace eventually could have ended up in, in the same position as Clara because um, she would inevitably have got bored, wouldn't she, and wanted to go travelling. She <laughs> could have stolen a TARDIS as well and, um, and kind of ended up, um, you know, like like Clara, kind of uh, travelling around on her own. Yeah, and also, I suppose, um, with the whole sort of uh, almost teacher-student relationship that the Seventh Doctor and Ace had, and he was kind of, she was kind of his apprentice in a way, just as Clara was kind of, you know, to the magician's apprentice um and yeah so and, and ace is definitely kind of the, really laid the foundation for modern companions um she was so, she's one of my favorites as well definitely yeah the first one really to have kind of any sign of a much of a family or a home life really isn't she and uh, and a background she's yeah very much um, like a prototype like you say for the modern ones mm-hmm Kate, you've um, recently written for Clara with your Twelfth Doctor and Clara story for Time Shadows, Second Nature, the um, charity short story anthology. I have, and I, I got my hard copy in the post this morning, which was it's terribly exciting. Me to too, it's a, great, a isn't it? Yeah. That, yeah, I saw on Twitter you've got yours too. It's fantastic, because your story's in that um, book too, isn't it? So Yeah, it's mine's really exciting. I've got a Sixth Doctor story in there. Yeah, it's it's such a nice quality book, isn't it? It's uh, I don't know, I'm not sure quite what I was expecting, but it's um, yeah, it's really exciting. It's the first story I've had published as well. So, um, I know, it's yeah, great. Just awesome. great isn't it? Um, I've got so, a place for on bookshelf already next to my um, Funko Pop of Clara Oswald. Yeah. <laughs> um, my first published story, so I'm happy. Oh, fantastic. Um, and uh, yeah, I was going to say, uh, your story, Divergence, absolutely one of the highlights um, of the collection, and it's a really good collection of stories there. Um, so did that kind of give you a taste for, for writing for Clara? Yeah, it, 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 it did. I've written quite a lot of um, fan fiction for Clara, actually, Clara and the Twelfth Doctor. So I've sort of explored her characters in, in sort of multiple ways, and I'm looking forward to exploring it again. Um, I'm actually writing a story now to submit to a Sarah Jane Smith anthology um, that I, I discovered, uh, Sarah Jane Smith, Roving Reporter, um, which pencil tip publishing uh, and looking at producing. So I'm, I'm really interested in writing for all these female characters and discovering where their arcs can take them. So it's certainly something I'm, I'm enjoying exploring. 
That's brilliant. Um, so I'll I'll put links in the show notes to um, to the website and um, where we can find you all on Twitter. Okay, so I'm Kate Coleman, and my Twitter name is at Kate K A T E C O L seventeen. I'm on Twitter Katie Smith eighteen seventy. Although I tend to be far more active and talking about Doctor Who on Tumblr, where I'm a bossy control freak. Tumblr.com. So that's where I post most of my Doctor Who content and writings and obsessing about Clara Oswald. Yeah, I'm I'm very similar to Kate. I'm mostly active on Tumblr when it comes to Doctor Who things. So uh, I'm known on there as the Lazy Cat Bake Super Plays. The Lazy Cat being my <laughs> my writing alias. Um, um, if you do want to talk to me on Twitter, though, I'm uh, at Undiscovered Adventure, which is at Undiscovered um, ADV, so ad, because uh, I couldn't fit the whole thing in. <laughs> That's good. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. I'm really excited for the Untold Adventures. And um, hopefully, yep. we can get so your, we. Uh, hopefully we can get you all back on um, when the series is about to be released in 2019. Yes, then we'll be able to tell you a little bit more about what's actually happening. Yeah, we like I said, we're gonna we've got a whole sort of plan ahead, so um, there'll be lots of things to sort of tease you, you know, in the meantime, in the coming months. Uh, we've got something nice to share with you when the website launches as well. That's going to be quite exciting. Um, yeah, it's really tempting to properly tease stuff, but I, yeah. <laughs> Gonna show some self restraint. <laughs> Brilliant. I'll put links to the uh, to the website once uh, once that's up. I'll put that on Twitter and on the show notes as well. Great talking to you again, Mark. That's great. Yeah, it's lovely to talk to you. Yeah, it's been brilliant. You too. Thanks very much, and we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks for listening. Join me next week when Jason McLaughlin will be back on the podcast to discuss the new partially animated version of Shada. Thanks. Bye.